This is the 2.1 cast. Visit the2.1.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at the2.1. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 2.1 cast. I'm your host Neil Murray and once again I'm joined by James Kearney and Stefan Bienkowski. Are we doing well guys? Stiff. 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 Explain in more detail please. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I normally play five aside on a Monday night but the other night we decided to try and play seven aside. Oh right, so you got doms and lactic acid. It's just it's a bigger pitch and I'm very unfit. <laughs> it's a different game, isn't it? Yeah, it's, a it's game. very difficult. I always liked sevens when I was younger, but then I think the last time I played it, um, any enjoyment I used to have quickly disappeared. I think I actually think fives is more intense. Oh, it is because sevens yeah. you can get those kind of lazy guys who just sit right back or something to really do anything. Oh, that was me. I was just, <laughs> I saw I sort of saw myself in a Benucci esque role. We had to start playing long balls from the back, you know. <laughs> well, and I don't even know because like it's that thing if you let your marker go once in fives, you are the fall guy, and mm. there's a good chance the other team are going to score. So, uh, good weekend. Yeah, it was enjoyable. Yeah, I, I was actually playing fives as well last. I was playing fives last night. And I got home and I had to run into SDV actually to do a thing. Yeah, so I saw this on Twitter. So what what the hell happened? So um, so I did a I did an article for the Independent on Monday morning on the whole Mesut Ozil thing. They asked me to do something on that, and like the way that like, the broadcasters kind of work sometimes is that they'll find whoever wrote a story and basically get them to explain it on camera instead of them actually having to do anything about it. I guess. So, like, someone asked, someone at ITV got in touch and said, can we get you on camera down at the STV offices? And I was like, yep, but I can't do anything between eight and nine, right? Because I've got fives, right? Priorities, obviously. And, no, and then she didn't get back to me for the rest of the day. I go play football. I get back in my car at nine o'clock. Two or three minutes calls from ITV. I come, I leave them a voice message saying, look, I said I couldn't do between eight and nine, but if you want, I can still run into STV. Let me know. And I get home, jump in the shower. They phone me when I'm in the shower. <laughs> I jump out of the shower, answer the phone call. Can you be here in 15 minutes? This is like 20 to 10 for the 10 o'clock bulletin, right? Uh, I'm like, right, okay, great. So I'm rush out of the shower. My, I'm didn't have time to like rinse the shampoo out my hair, dry myself down, jump in the car, and then I get to his feet. I'm like dripping in sweat, <laughs> and like they 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 get me in front of a camera. They ask literally two questions, and then like right off you go. And I'm back off, back up the road. This on the ITV hub because uh, I don't know if they put the actual news buildings up, but I'm I'm on it for like ten seconds. But I said on Twitter immediately afterwards, like I'm really sorry to anyone who had to see me looking <laughs> extremely sweaty <laughs> straight out of the show. That's ah, but it's all show business, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. Well, I didn't do any activities at the weekend, so uh, <laughs> okay. I'll bring the BMI up. Yeah, you bring it down. Down. Oh, no, no, we bring BMI up. Yeah, 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 yeah because I'm a fat bastard. Uh, yeah. So we're going to talk Aberdeen today. Um, Mainly just because there's been a whole lot of inactivity going on in terms of incomings. Uh, some rather big outgoings that have upset um, mostly Aberdeen fans and the English media, apparently. Um, so I think we'll start there in terms of the signings they have made, which haven't been many. But I mean, I mean, actually, before that, what do we make of Aberdeen and their summer so far? Kind of baffling, would you say? I would say so. Um, they've. It's a squad that's just very unbalanced, and there's like really, there's like there's some huge gaps like all across that team, and you just sort of wonder what Derek McInnes is, is has been doing with himself this summer. I mean, you know, they've got by my count, they've got two fullbacks on the books, and one of them's Andy Considine. 
So really they have one fullback in their entire squad. Um, in terms of, like, again, right wing, you know, like, there's not really anyone. Like, Niall McGinn could sort of do that, but he's better on the left. I'd, I think most people would agree. Up front, they're relying on Stevie May, who's been far from prolific. It's just, it's a really, it's really odd, I think, the way that McGinn has got, the way he's gone about shaping his squad. Um, you know, bringing in guys like Dominic Ball, who generally underwhelmed, I would say, uh, at Pataudry last year. So I don't know why he's been given a second chance. It, you know, and frankly, a centre-back's not what Aberdeen need at the moment. They need full-backs, they need another winger, they need a striker. And yet, this is where McInnes' attention seems to be lying. So it's, yeah, it's just, it baffles me. I, don't, I do not understand it for the life of me. Yeah, I think, I think it was Doogie Wright who wrote a piece for us uh, last, halfway through last season. Uh, it was very critical about McInnes and it kind of tallied up what he's good at, what he's bad at, and he tried to make a conclusion at the end. And one of the huge things he was very critical of was the fact that every single summer McInnes just makes an absolute dog's ear. Or dog's ear, is that the word? Yeah. Um, yeah. Dog's dinner of uh, the transfer market. And this summer's been another perfect example of that. Um, he knew that uh, Ryan Christie was leaving. Um, you know, He knew that Kenny McLean was leaving. He probably knew quite a while ago that Adam Rooney would leave in some capacity or another, Anthony O'Connor sure I know Anthony O'Connor's no great miss but he was still a very uh, regular player in that team last season, whether you liked him or not he, he did a job, uh, if you want to call it that for McInnes uh, throughout the season and you know for the most part I'm not entirely sure if Aberdeen really look as though they've actually planned this out very well at all I think Stephen Gleeson looks like a really good player uh, for Mitrovic he'll probably sit in that hole um, in midfield and you know I wrote a piece last week actually on how if you look at the kind of signings they've made and the way the squad's going to look I think we're probably going to see Aberdeen playing a far more defensive system this year because Gleeson's going to probably fill in for um, Kenny McLean and Gleeson's a much more defensive player than McLean Massive shoots to fill there as well whether he's defensive or not in terms of but they're losing goals as you say but also just influence as well Oh yeah without a doubt um, They brought in Chris Forrest who's an attacking player but he's more of a winger I think and Lewis Ferguson, I guess, has potential. He can maybe one day become something like a Kenny McLean, but there's no way he's going to be kind of slotting straight into that position anyway. Um, and, of course, they should finally have Devlin in that that defensive line. So if you want to kind of give a silver lining, which I kind of did in this article, I kind of said, well, maybe McInnes has decided, you know what, we've never really been that great going forward. Let's just kind of accentuate the positives here and bolster this defensive rock that they have because... You know, they do still have McKenna. they still got a very good goalkeeper. Shea Logan did have a great season last year, but he's still good enough. Constein's fine, I guess. Um, no, I disagree. Well, I do too, actually, but <laughs> he, 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 he is still ever-present, I guess, you yeah. know. So if you've got that kind of familiar back line and you've got someone like Devlin coming in, who's a very promising young centre-back, and then in front of that midfield just stick Shinny and Gleeson, um, then you've got a pretty good defensive unit there, actually. And then, yeah, sure, you can just kind of hope that Guy McKay, Stephen, and I'm again do the best that they can, and then maybe Stevie May can try and f- we can maybe go into Stevie May a wee bit, but maybe he can do something. But um, that's where the kind of that's where my optimism ends because I'm sure you're probably jumping into this in a minute, Neil. But um, you know the way the club have tried to recruit strikers this summer just shows a real lack of really any forbearance or really forward planning, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I had I was going to jump on your kind of uh, optimistic bandwagon, but it was regarding Stevie May, so I'll wait wait for a bit later, but. 
Yeah, I mean, I think now we've seen they try to sign is it John Marquez from Doncaster for five hundred k. So that's good money. I mean, a lot of money for Aberdeen. Uh, so, and then they also had a, a they actually had a bid was it bid accepted from Preston for uh, Owen Doyle as well, the ex hib striker. But it was personal terms um, that seems to stop that deal from happening. It now seems that they know they've had to react. It looks like they knew that before Rooney left, but now they really seem to be in a bit of a spin in terms of we, we need more backup here. Um, and if they start the season with what they've got now, you, you can't help but worry because I'm sure you did a piece as well, Stefan, on, on Ryan Christian. Yeah, he might, he's, he might have tapered off a bit towards the end of the season, but no one can deny he was one of their main creative outlets in terms of not only finding the back of the net, but also uh, creating chances. Um, so that's going to be a huge loss. Mackay Stephen, I did something around January, February time with Mackay Stephen, and it's the kind of thing where when he plays well, he's absolutely unplayable, but he plays well a handful of times during the season, which if you're a team that want to try and be competing with the likes of Rangers who've spent that much money and Hibs who are seemingly improving, even though they've lost Alexa McGeek, um, or maybe not improving, but they're definitely going to be there or thereabouts, they can't, they can't have that lack of creativity or just that lack of goals. Um, they, they really really struggle when you take away Rooney who didn't even have a good season last season it's pretty damning um, how how they are lacking up front and I, I don't know I, I don't really know where they go like I know Louis Moult's been uh, touted as a, an option and that would be a great signing but the likelihood of, likelihood of it happening doesn't look doesn't look like it's really one that could happen but I don't know this is where the kind of limitations of um, Derek McInnes's kind of control of the club become quite apparent I think because you know, I was joking with people online. Well, I was having a very serious conversation, debate with people online about the whole Scott McKenna, how much he's worth thing. And someone kind of said, God, you know what happens if Aberdeen actually do get 10 million pounds for him? And I said, well, McKinnis would just buy every player they could from League One, wouldn't he? Because that's all he ever does. You know, there doesn't seem to be a really comprehensive scouting network at Aberdeen. And, and this is where, you know, um, like I said, we see, we see limitations. Therefore, I mean, I know you just mentioned a player from Doncaster, but this summer it seems as though their kind of search for striker seems to be limited to Preston North End. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of players in Scotland who Aberdeen could take a punt at, and now that they're now that we're currently looking at a squad with literally one goal, one striker, and who's maybe scored maybe four goals last season and maybe about seven over the last four seasons of his career, um, when does it become quite desperate and the club have to like, right, look, Derek, we know you like your League One players, but there's this guy at Hamilton, or there's this guy at Motherwell. Well, do, you know, do you know who I, I wrote something, in, and I actually have talked to a few Aberdeen fans since, and they've totally uh, shot me down for it. But I, I wrote a piece on Alex Schalk, right, from Ross County. Mm-hmm. He was about, without a club after he went down, or he's, or he's leaving Ross County at least. And I'm not saying he's going to join and score 25 goals a season, but if he was without a club, he's not going to be probably paying or needing to be paid uh, wages as high as the likes of a Louis Mole or an Owen Doyle who are coming from these clubs. Um, he had a decent goal-scoring record, and when I say decent, pretty impressive considering how rotten County were last season. And they hit double figures, yeah. and only five or six players in the whole Premiership That's did it. that. So. And also, say you sign him and he's not a starter, right? Uh, I did an article, article again, and at the point I wrote the article, which I think was April, or, uh, yeah, it was definitely April actually, he was the best substitute, or the most impactful substitute in the whole division. So. I think why not take a punt on something like that? And I'm not saying you're going to sign Schalke and then you're guaranteed second place. Not not at all. And maybe there's a bit of snobbery there that they need somebody better. But in all, in all honesty, are they going to get better? Are they going to get somebody that's actually got name recognition or that is better in quotation marks from from League One uh, in England? Um, I'm not so sure. Um, I'll mention Stevie May. What I was going to say was, and that was, 
I'm maybe a bit optimistic that he could have a good season. He's maybe had that bedding in season and I know he's played in Scotland before, but maybe he now knows how how they play. Um, the, the thing I did, and when I wrote that Schalke article, it was actually looking at how May, when he was at St Johnson and scored 20 plus goals, he was always playing in a front two, or the vast majority of the time he was playing in a front two. And the way Aberdeen liked to play, it was usually with one up front, so it was usually like a 4 2 3 1. Now, whether that changes because of personnel, fair enough, but if they had maybe two players up there, you don't know if May would maybe be better, maybe more effective. Um, that aside, with that optimism for Stephen May, they still need somebody else in, and I don't know who that's going to be. Um, I'd be very surprised if there wasn't somebody brought in, but at the moment, they've actually put in some decent bids, and they're coming up kind of empty-handed. So it's, I mean, I'd, I'd be slightly worried, uh, and I think it's also slightly worrying going into this match with Burnley, and uh, I know we'll get to that later as well, but um, they do seem a bit toothless, uh, and if I was Burnley, I wouldn't be particularly worried about any attacking threat that Aberdeen pose um, in this Europa League tie. If I was an Aberdeen fan, I would be really worried that actually McInnes possibly won't bring in another striker. Maybe not for lack of trying, but you know, generally, you look at sort of the major departures from Aberdeen over the last few seasons, and it's difficult to point out one occasion where McInnes has actually replaced a player after they've left. Look at, you know, like Graham Shinney, okay, he didn't move club, but he moved into midfield. Aberdeen still don't have a left back. You know, Ryan Jack moved to, moved to Rangers. The, you know, Anthony O'Connor slung in, like, you know, uh, or Dominic Ball, or Dominic mm-hmm. Ball, yeah, you know, Kenny McLean's away. Okay, they've brought in Gleeson. Fair enough. Fair enough. Again, you know, he's Ryan. not. He's not McLean replacement. He's not. He's not. They're not. They're not like for like Ryan Christie again. You know, they dares me the right winger. He's gone. Nothing's happened. So he's got form, McInnes, when it comes to this sort of thing. And like that's that's the must be the really frustrating thing I think for Aberdeen fans is that there are obvious, like, hugely obvious gaps, and that you know a very good player has just left. Like you obviously need a new player there mm-hmm. and he seems to just prefer to try and shuffle the pack and sort of work with what he's got and that often means sort of you know, pushing you know, squares into round holes and it just doesn't really work. I don't well, I'll say as well, I don't want to be too harsh because I feel there's a lot of time, a lot of times it's so easy to write them off. Like even last season, I remember we did plenty of podcasts on who we thought we were going to finish second and they flew under the radar and again, it wasn't a brilliant Aberdeen team um, and you can maybe argue there was down to uh, Rangers kind of uh, self-destructing but you also had a very good Hibs team uh, there uh, and they still managed to finish second but what I will say is that I think it's going to be very very difficult for them this season I don't, I don't want to write them off but you have to wonder you look at how much money Rangers have spent how much they've strengthened um, if there's a season that's going to happen or if, if there's a season that's going to happen it's going to be now um, particularly in Aberdeen in this current state I think Hibs as well um, you were talking about strikers they've signed Kimberry right which at this rate we already knew he was a good signer from January but he's hit the ground running yeah it was against a poor team from the Faroe Islands but he, he looks right up for it and we know he can do it at domestic level so they've got somebody um, I was going to say Rangers have somebody um, they do have Morelos who's, who can score goals at, uh, at that level as well Celtic have got that in abundance Aberdeen don't have that recognisable striker um, they really don't even well Kamar at Chris Boyd I mean um, you could go on uh, Lafferty at Hearts and that's the that's the teams that you're saying they could potentially drop back to fourth or fifth whatever mm. they have recognised strikers that can score you a, a decent amount of goals and um, Aberdeen are really really going to struggle if they don't don't replace and I say Rooney but replace anybody yeah I mean you only have to look at the teams around them in the league and it kind of shows how little how in- inactive they've actually been in the window I mean You've just mentioned Rangers, and sure, we all know about what Rangers have done, but, I mean, look at Hibs, who've also had to deal with huge players leaving. Dylan McGeeck leaves, and Stevie Mallon walks straight in the door, and he's hit the ground running. 
Obviously, you know, McLean um, left, Canberra left, but they managed to bring, obviously, Canberra uh, back. Um, if they, if they, if McGinn moves, you can expect Hibs to find someone to come in and end it before that. And, and there's also, a chance they might get Scott Allen as well. Yeah, exactly, Scott Allen or something like that. Um, even Hearts, who actually haven't even bought anyone this season, have still, you know, managed to bring in like uh, Ollie Lee, who looks like a good player, Ryan Edwards uh, from Partick Fifth. So I wrote a piece actually on that when he moved a lot of kind of people raising their eyebrows that thing and he looked like a bit of a duff signing. Obviously, you're kind of looking if your eyes eyebrow raised there, James, a Thistle <laughs> fan. But I kind of said it's actually a really crude move because he's actually a pretty solid centre midfielder um, and, a, and a team that doesn't really... And he's moved to a Hearts team that kind of lacks central midfielders. Uh, Jake Mulraney from Inverness is quite good. They lose a goalkeeper, so they bring in two goalkeepers on. Sure, these guys... They've bought three, I think, actually. You, you might, yeah, yeah. They've, they've bought like 13... They've not bought, they've brought in like 13 guys, but about, but about four or five of them are actually really good Bosman, Bosman signings. And and at least Craig Levine's looking at that squad and be like, right, I need to fill in these holes here. Ensure, you know, half these guys might not end up playing for us this season, but at least I've got options. And it just seems like Aberdeen just don't, or McInnes just isn't interested in bringing in young or untested players. They, they always have to be from League One or else it's not worth trying. Just to kind of, no, one, one final thing there, I'll add there is um, Steve McLean. I think he scored tonight for Hibs actually, I think maybe a two. I can't remember, I didn't check before we started recording the League Cup game. I think he's going to be a really good sign for him to see, or Hearts this oh, season. Sorry. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, I can feel they've been getting the best out of him. Yeah, and you know, on Thursday, I mean, sure, you could maybe say getting rid of Rooney and bringing the McLean's like a bit of a like for likeness, but I can't, I can't imagine if if Aberdeen don't get a sign a striker in before the start of the Premiership, um, you know, you might have to look. You might have, we'll have some Aberdeen's fans looking at McLean at Hearts, thinking, why didn't we go in for him? You know, because he's, he's a perfect kind of. I know he's a journeyman and he's ancient, and you know he doesn't excite fans, but. It could, it could quite easily do a job in that Aberdeen team. But then most of the Aberdeen fans I've talked to, um, when the Rooney rumours started that he was going, really didn't want him to leave. And I know there's maybe a nostalgic element and there's also a significant amount of Aberdeen fans who think he's lazy and he's whatever, but um, there's no denying that he was still a threat for them uh, and did a job. Uh, Second and top goal scorer last season. Yeah, he would be missed. Like, he'd be absolutely missed. And He's a perfect testament to the problem, that this t- the total inaction at Aberdeen. I mean, Adam Rooney's been walking out the door for like two seasons now. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's true. And, and really, a team of Aberdeen's aspirations. I know they're building a stadium and they're probably quite financially, you know, stressed at the moment. But Derek McKinnon should have been sitting down in January, being like, right, if we're planning to sell Rooney, how are we going to find? How are we going to replace him? You know, but nothing's been done. It's this good with Rooney now. They've spent the last week tr- making like three bids for players in the English Championship or something, and you know, they even get a bid accepted, and the player doesn't want to come. How did the club not know that? How does, how does a club of Aberdeen not already know like, we might the, not be able to get this guy? Well, gonna, you, you get the feelers out and see if he definitely wanted to move first, surely. Or like, I, I, I get an idea. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think for a club, it's obviously a good sign for their finances. When they're building a stadium, they can still bid half a million pounds for a player. Um, or £300,000 in this case for, for Doyle. But I, I don't know where they look. I mean, we do know where they look. We League one, but it's, it's who are they going to get in and are they going to be effective? And... Um, you said something before we go on, I'm going to totally drop you on it, James, but right. you said you think McInnes will be the first to... Is this right? I'm, I'm, or is this defamatory? For no, me? no, yep. I, um, I think he'll be the first manager to 
be dismissed from his post this season. <laughs> there you have it. I mean, bookmark this podcast. Uh, yeah. And put your Twitter <laughs> handle uh, in the end. I'm sure I'll be very wrong about it. I hope I'm not very wrong about it. I'm this, trying to go through other managers in my head. I'm just like, mm. I can tell you for a fact he won't. I think everything could finish 10th this season. Stuart Millen wouldn't sack Derek McInnes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll be there until Kingsford's at least built, I reckon, oh, yeah. if he doesn't want to leave. They're building mm. a stadium for the man, basically. You know. Mm. Um, I can, I, I, but yeah, that's a fair point. I, not in terms of getting sacked, but I, I can quite easily see Aberdeen dropping out of the top three, mm. struggling in the top six if they don't bring in a proper. Yeah, so I was going to say, so is it is it just a striker, or are we t- so if they bring in a striker, you're like, well, they've got a chance to finish second again, or is it is it is the, are the we've talked about are other areas, but are they really that severe? Do they need to bring in like could they get through another season with Considine left back, for example? I mean, they they could get they can, they can like having Logan and Considine as your fullbacks is fine, like as your first choice, but. As long as you've got cover, not as like you can't you can't expect those two players to play every single game. Like, mm. like not when the alternative is Dominic Ball. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just it, it, I just don't understand it for the life of me. I don't understand. Like, I just think they've been really lucky to get, like get away with it for so long. That's, that, isn't that just kind of the theme of Derek McKenzie's tenure at Aberdeen? He just he, he everything's held together by sticky tape. It's like it's like yeah. Ferguson actually at, Aber- at Man United nearly, and that's what comparison that is, I guess. <laughs> but like it's similar. You you totally expect if McKenzie had left last year, another manager would have came in and this team would have just fell apart. Mm. Yeah, you know, I agree with that. You know, and Cause it, they, because because they, they do play for him, and it's like yeah. the likes of like you talk about Alex Ferguson. You had like players that were there for season after season, and then as soon as LVG came in they were just like right no uh, but no I, I agree with that and you're talking about him not replacing players the other one that was a ma- he was a massive player from was Johnny Hayes yeah. and we talked about how hot and cold Gary McKay-Steven is mm-hmm. now whether he a lot of people may be a bit quick, quick to defend Gary McKay-Steven because he's a flash player he's a bit of a luxury and he, when he's good he's great but he's not good anywhere near, near enough and Johnny Hayes week in week out was a huge player for yeah. Aberdeen like his uh, assists um were so important. Him and McGinn, when they were there the first time around, were unbelievable, and neither were really replaced. Uh, and McGinn's back, and he's looking like he can do a job. He doesn't look really like he didn't look like the same player mm. he did no, before no, he left. Time's keeping up on him as yeah, well. of course. And who knows? He might now that he's back and got a preseason on his belt, he might return to that kind of form. But that said, the, the, what was really good, he could swap uh, McInnes, could swap Hayes and McGinn about, like like interchange them. Mm. He doesn't really have that option at the moment because I don't think Mackay Stevens as good or can do as good a job of that as uh, as Hayes did so that's just another example and my worry as well we're talking about Lewis Ferguson while I'm ranting really really good prospect but McInnes' record of bringing through young players is pretty pretty dreadful um, in all honesty um, so many I mean Frank Ross has never been given an opportunity. He looks like he, he was ready. Um, Scott Wright's another one um, who maybe maybe if they don't get a striker it may be a blessing in disguise and they might be able to bleed these youngsters but I would, be, I would be thinking, I'd be worried <laughs> I was uh, an advisor or in some way related to Lewis Ferguson because I'd be like, yeah, on paper, moving to Aberdeen, great move from, from Hamilton, but is he actually going to develop? Is he actually going to be given an opportunity? Um, so, Yeah, I, I think my, my issue is up front, actually, as well. I kinda, just to jump on the back of that, Neil, um, my issue with Stevie May is I think a lot of fans are kind of hoping that something will click, but... If you look through his st- his stats throughout his entire career, actually, um, there's not a huge amount of room for him to prove into. Um, you know, his record in the Scottish top flight through his entire career is 0.17 goals per 90 minutes. And last season for Aberdeen, he got 0.16. So that's a goal so, every six games. Something like that. That's actually... So, even though he wasn't playing well for Aberdeen last season, that's actually his standard. I know he's got 
that one good season for St. Johnson, basically. Um, but his goals have actually came for Hamilton and Alaba when he's been playing in the lower divisions. And he's only throughout his entire career, he's only had one good season in the Premier in the top division. Back obviously when it was the SPL as well. So you know, for May to suddenly double his goal score next season would be would go completely against the stats and the trend for him. So, no, fair um, you know, I, 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 so that's what troubles me if he's the last striker. What may be, um, what might again offer some optimism is that we might see a more composed, a more consistent Mackay Steven now that he's got a season under his belt. Um, Niall McGinn's an interesting one because last season when he came back to Aberdeen, so from January onwards, he was getting about 0.15 assists per game. Uh, for Aberdeen the season before he left he was getting 0 0.18 so that's a slight inc so there's a slight dip which might go up again but the real difference is in his goals so last season for Aberdeen he was getting 0 0.09 goals per game but the season before he left for career he was getting 0 0.23 so you know at least so basically he was, he was his goal scoring was twice as good before he left Aberdeen the first time and you'd think that might get better so you might actually find both Mackay Stephen and McGinn Proven more of a, more you know um, jumping in with more goals, but you know if you're relying on both your wingers to make up for an inconsistent or an inefficient striker, then you're still relatively in trouble. I mean, yeah, like I said, this is also two well one relatively inconsistent winger as well. So like, exactly. yeah. mm, I know I know what you're saying though, because like I, I do think McGinn will be better, and I, I think the, the jury's out. And Mackay Stephen, if I'm completely honest, but. I think this, the bottom line is they need to sign a striker. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, 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 I would just be worried if I was an Aberdeen fan looking at that because you look at the teams around you who you pipped to second place last season, take Celtic out the equation because they're irrelevant at this stage. But if I was looking at Hibs and Rangers and even Kilmarnock to an extent with Steve Clark there, they're I'd be worried. I'd yeah, be they're, they're building something. And Hearts, I don't think that they're, they're going to be the finished article yet, but surely they must be slightly better than last season I also think Motherwell are going to be there or thereabouts again they're going to be dangerous mm. um, I mean I'm going to be biased and say I think Tonor Salmon will be a good signing for them as well because I wrote an article on it and said as much but he scored two, two in the League Cup against um of the South so I, I think they'll they'll like a threat they'll carry a threat as well and they're very well drilled so I think McKenna's really he's got a lot of work to do in a short space of time and I think we'll go on to it now since uh, we're running out of time slightly but we'll talk about the Burnley game because we say he's running out of time, but in terms of this, this is a this is a big game, and this has been the problem. How many times have they crashed out in the Europa League early in previous seasons? And I'm not trying to be too pessimistic because they, they might do it, but at the same time, they seem very unprepared. It feels, feels this game has come far too soon for them, um, but they know when it when when it was, and they've had plenty of time to prepare. But I feel Rudy's just left. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think they stand any chance against? I'll go with your first because you wrote a piece on this. Do you yeah, think they stand a chance in, at the, in the Burnley game at all? <laughs> it's possible. I mean, you know, it's not. <laughs> you know, it's not impossible. But uh, I mean, they're going to need to do a lot of things that generally Aberdeen haven't been doing for quite some time now. Like, you know, Burnley, they're a very narrow side. They're very much counter-attacking, which means that in order for like they tend to concede a lot of goals from like uh, opposition play down either wing. So like, basically, if you're going to have a chance against them. Your wingers have to be on form. Need to be ready to ma maximise the space, and you know be ready to sort of take advantage of any sort of opportunities that arise. Uh, you know, right now, Mackay Stephen, you can't, you just can't rely on him to do that, can you? Um, again, fair enough. Uh, he could maybe do something, but then you also need a good striker in the box as well. And again, you got me. It's just he's a, 
he's just not consistent. And he's, even when he's good, he's never, you know, really taking games by the scruff of his neck, by the scruff of the neck. So there's like, I think there's a real problem. Uh, particularly because I think in order to beat Burnley, you're going to have to play a fairly sort of open, expansive game. But that's something that we're seeing less and less at Aberdeen, like over the last few seasons. Like their average possession. Um, it was like about 52% in 2015-16, it went up to about 54% the next year and then this season it fell down to 50.1, so like, right. it is still like a very tiny majority and like, you know, they genuinely enjoy more the ball than their opponents but you can see it's becoming less and less important and for a side like Burnley that like, like to play off of uh, a team when they're well, 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 they went with, with the ball because, I, I mean, as you say, like maybe not too surprising given they play in the Premier League against all these teams. Mm. The, John Dyche has worked out that they can essentially be effective as a counter-attacking team because so many teams will have technically good players in that league that they want to play. So, but I mean, you're, I think your article was spot on. It was like a much more optimistic than I was probably setting the question up to be. But uh, what do you think, Stefan? You wrote something on like you mentioned it and touched on it at the start of the podcast about how it's going to be a more defensive Aberdeen team by the looks of things, judging by the few signings they've made. Um, does that kind of bode badly um, for this game if they need to play more expansive? If they're going to hurt Burnley, I don't know actually. I really don't know what to make um, of this game. I thought James did an excellent job of kind of breaking down what Burnley are good at and bad at and how Aberdeen can break that down. I definitely recommend any, any especially in Aberdeen fans, looking for something to read before the game, I'd check that out on the website. Um, and all we can really do is compare it to, you know, their ratios and records in Scottish football because they don't really have any extensive back catalogue of European wins, to be honest with you. And what kind of troubles me um, is that this Burnley side reminded me a bit of Motherwell, actually, and the way they play. And Aberdeen had so much trouble against Motherwell last season, a team that... Um, you know, well, actually, I don't know. Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, James. But it kind of strikes me as a team who, you know, can break really quickly. Don't mind getting stuck in, like things like that. You know, they're very, they can be very defensive when they have to be, but then they can just counter so well. Um, and on top of that, you know, Aberdeen are just this Aberdeen team are just not a side to deal with nerves at all. Um, it seems as though McKinnis gets to a point. Look, it's if 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 Aberdeen were playing some minnow. Um, that they were expected to win, I'd be far more confident. That sounds obvious, but that's just because that's the way Aberdeen under under McInnes. He's very good at doing the job he's expected to do. But yeah, well, he's done that domestically hasn't he, as well. Like like you can imply that he'll beat the teams he needs to beat. When it comes to against Rangers and Celtic, his his record pretty poor. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, saying that he he didn't he, he went unbeaten in the split near the end of the split. Obviously, you know, um, and he beat uh, Hearts and Kilmarnock. But yeah, it it just seems as though whenever I. McInnes just doesn't strike me as the kind of coach who can look at a team that are better than his and then set his team up accordingly. He's just kind of proved that time and time again that's just not what he's good at. Um, the Celtic team he plays against are a perfect example of that. You know, um, Steve Clark has managed to figure out a way to get past them. Neil Lennon's figured out a way to get past them. Even Craig Levine managed to find a way to trouble Celtic. But Derek McInnes has never really managed to do that. I know Aberdeen fans are going to be screaming at their phones right now saying they beat Celtic in the final day last season, but that was a dud game. I'm sorry, but it was. Um, and, you know, I think McInnes has a lot to prove here, not off, not just off the back of the fact that um, Aberdeen's have got, they've got a skeleton squad here, but um, him as a coach has never really proved himself to me as a coach who can um, 
take a team that less lesser than the team they're up against and use his tactics or his systems to bridge the gap. And that's a good point. It doesn't seem like he's a reactive coach, really. Like a Steve Clark would go in and he's like, this is how we're going to set up for this game because this Celtic team do this and this is how we're going to combat it. Or even halfway through a game, he seems like the kind of coach that could do that. Whereas um, like a Martyr McInnes last season really, really struggled with that. They had maybe a couple of ways of playing max. And if that didn't work, it was like, mm. and as you, as you alluded to, and maybe it's a bit harsh saying there was a dud, but at the same time, I didn't. I don't give too much weight in it. Celtic won the league already. Um, every other game against Celtic, they played the same way. It's been the same result. So many times we've bigged them up on the site. It's like, this is how they could beat them. This is what they could do. And you think, this might be the time. They're in good form. Celtic haven't been great. And it ends up with like a 3 0 straightforward win once again. So, yeah, um, I mean, just to kind of jump on that again, I mean, when we sat down with Gary Dicker to talk about what Steve Clark does at Kilmarnock, he says, Every single week they base their training <clears throat> around the team they've come up against. So every week it's something different and they get taught how to be the team on a Saturday. I, I can't say for sure, but I'm pretty sure Derek McKinnon has never done that at Aberdeen. I'm pr- I know, no, obviously there's some circumstances where he has to be like, right, we're playing South Rangers, we need to try these things. But Aberdeen have always played the same kind of way. I mean, there have obviously been some tactical changes and things, but it's always been a case of players fitting into his system and then if they don't, then they're off. Adam Rooney, a perfect example of that, where he had very good goal scorer but eventually decided well he doesn't fit into my system mm-hmm. um, and on top of that you know I've even got this dreadful European record which will be you know something that we have to consider going into this If it, even if it wasn't a team like Burnley we'd still be sitting there kind of quite nervous thinking well you know it's Aberdeen in the day and they've been dreadful in Europe yeah. just to jump back to the Burnley thing when you were saying that they reminded you of Motherwell like, during my piece I actually drew a comparison at one point between them and Hearts okay. just because I think that their goalkeeper Nick Pope who might not play on Thursday which I think that could possibly even be a deciding factor what is he um, injured or he was part of the English World Cup squad so he's only uh, just back he's only just okay. returned to training so it depends on whether or not he's match fit um, but uh, he was outstanding for Burnley last season um, I mean you look at the difference between their expected goals against and their goals against and basically he saved them about 18-19 goals something like that so it reminded me a lot of Hearts where you had John McLaughlin who again was pulling off similar miracles and like the whole idea of the entire system's built on having a sound defence, let the people swing balls in the box, let them run at you, it's fine because we're just going to stand tall, we're going to block the shots, we're going to boot it clear and we're going to keep doing that over and over and over again. And Aberdeen really struggled against Hearts last season. Um, they only won once. Like Fair enough, there were two draws in there as well at the four games, so it's you know, one draw, uh, two draws, uh, one for either side. But Aberdeen should be beating Hearts if you know, they're meant to be the second best team in Scotland. They should be winning that game, like, certainly more than once. And I think if they're struggling against a heart side that playing that way, if you're then going up against a Burnley side with more talented players playing a similar system but better, then it's a big ask. It's a really big ask. Mm-hmm. Anything to add to that? No, not really. I mean, like I said, you know, James really went through it properly and... Um, I'd actually go as far as to say he probably knows better than any of us about what's going to come up against it. I think, just kind of going off what I said at the top of the show about how I think we'll see Bar- uh, Aberdeen uh, set up this season, um, I think we'll probably see a very defensive system. I think we'll, with maybe, um, I know we haven't actually spoken about him, but you might even see some like Cosgrove playing up front actually, who's a bit more of a kind of runner. Um, he can hold players up. He did. He looked quite good actually. I thought, even though he didn't get a goal in the split last uh, at the end of last season, um, yeah. And you know, if Aberdeen can keep it tight in that first leg, I know it sounds all very kind of cliched stuff like, oh, keep the score down and see what happens. But um, 
yeah, I think I think for this first leg at home, it's all about trying to keep a clean sheet. And you know, I don't want to be too downhearted on Aberdeen because you know they they do they still have that defensive system from last season, which arguably might be even better this year with someone like Gleeson in there as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, and Devlin as well. Yeah, if they can keep if they can keep yeah, sorry, and Devlin as well. So if they can keep that defensive structure in place, um, they could really frustrate Burnley. And then you know if they can keep it tight, then. We'll see what happens in a second, like. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not going to be like the Hibs game the other night. It's not going to finish 6-4. It's going to be cagey. It's going to be a two, like two, maybe three goal game. So. Cool. Stevie May hat trick, gone. <laughs> uh, well, just the usual before we go, uh, we'll give you a quick shout out of what's going on in the site this week. So we have your piece, Stefan, a trial, uh, sorry, a trial, the trial of Alfredo Morelos, um, which is basically looking at the media streaming of the Rangers striker since he arrived in Scotland. Um, both on and off the pitch uh, we've got your piece as we've alluded to in the podcast of how Aberdeen can beat Burnley uh, in their two-leg Europa League tie we've also got a piece on Dedrick Boyata uh, and how he's an integral part of this Celtic team um, that's by you Stefan as well and how they'll probably want to, it seems like they want to tie him down after this World Cup given how, how well he performed uh, we've also got something on uh, Ollie Lee uh, could be the kind of standout in, of the signings that Hearts have made uh, we've got stuff about Greg Doherty and whether if, if he does go on loan whether that's good for the club uh, and for the player himself and there'll be plenty more uh, just keep your eyes on the website uh, as usual if you're interested if you listen to the podcast and you've not got a subscription if you're interested head over to the website there's a section about subscriptions and uh, everything we offer there's also a free trial option which gives you uh, a chance to look around for free to have a look at what we do uh, and to see uh, if, if you like it basically uh, we do a daily newsletter as well uh, so if you're familiar with our TLDR news buildings in the morning basically it's an afternoon version of that it's nice and succinct it just means when you come out of work you can turn on your phone and you'll have an email from us keeping you up to date with what's happened throughout the day whether uh, it's very important or complete nonsense in the world of Scottish football uh, that's completely free doesn't cost you anything at all um, also with regards to the podcast please uh, subscribe uh, like review on iTunes please follow us on Spotify since we're really cool and we're on there now as well uh, and you can follow us on Twitter Facebook and Instagram at the 2.1 am I missing anything I'm getting quite good at the spiel at the end I think and that because I've said that next week I'm definitely going to stumble my way through it uh, but yeah if that's everything we will see you again next week for another episode of the 2.1 cast